1: Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Music City Audible podcast brought to you by Broadway Sports Media, partnered with 440 Sports. I'm Justin Graver, and with me, as always, Justin Mello, here to recap a bunch of moves the Titans have made since we last recorded last week. Justin, how's it going?
0: I'm doing well, and you are not lying. Like People might be listening to the start of this episode thinking Justin Graver is lying because it's the offseason, season and they do not
1: have a lot to cover, but we do have a lot to cover because the Titans did a lot uh, since we last recorded. And, you know, it was like a semi-slow start to the free agency period for the Titans, but it's kind of what we expected. This team doesn't have a ton of cap space. They are more prioritizing keeping their own guys rather than going out and adding a bunch of people. But since that has happened, a few pretty significant additions, definitely starters, added to the offense keeping up with the theme that John Robinson mentioned at the combine of wanting to surround Ryan Tannehill with more weapons and more playmakers. And so we're going to get into all of it, which includes, I'm going to, here's a quick rundown of basically everything that happened before we break down the moves one by one Titans release Julio Jones, save nine and a half million against the cap signed tight end. Austin Hooper made a trade that has not been officially announced yet, but a trade for wide receiver Robert Woods, they have re-signed kicker Randy Bullock, cornerback Buster Screen, and two running backs in Jordan Wilkins and Dontrell Hilliard. They also signed a running back slash special teamer in Trenton Cannon. So we're going to break all that down. We're also going to get into the Indianapolis Colts who have a new quarterback, what that means for the Titans, and our thoughts on Matt Ryan heading to Indy. Plus, maybe we'll get into a little bit of Marcus Mariota reuniting with Art Smith in Atlanta. But let's start with the thing that happened literally right after this, our podcast came out last week, which we kind of teased was a possibility at the end of our last show. The Titans have cut Julio Jones after just one season after trading a second and fourth round pick for the receiver. What are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, it's funny. We uh, we said last week, right? Something's going to happen. The Daily released this episode that we're not going to get a chance to cover, and it was the release of Julio Jones. And um surprising and not surprising, it's both in my opinion. Uh, I'm not a guy that loves to give a GM credit for you know, moving on from a mistake. Like, you know, Chris Ballard got a ton of credit when he traded away Carson Wentz. I don't know that that's always the right way to fairly look at things. Uh, but you know, Robinson, obviously not buying into the, the sunken cost fallacy, right? Just because I invested a ton, uh, into this player doesn't mean I have to stick by that decision and keep going with him. And, and what I mean by, you know, investing a ton, they traded a second round pick for him and then they paid him, uh, you know, a ton of money last year and we're set to pay him a lot more money this year as well. So Robinson didn't care about those things, uh, traded away Julio, or sorry, released Julio Jones after a, a trading forum last year. It's really sad the way it worked out, isn't it, in a way? Like, the excitement surrounding uh, the acquisition of Julio, I'll never forget where I was when it broke. I, I was at a friend's house. I didn't get to the news for the first maybe five minutes. Pulled out my cell phone, noticed I had the notification from you know, Adam Schefter or whoever it was. And I'm not going to lie, I kind of freaked out, right? I, I couldn't believe they had done it. It was it was great news. The excitement of pairing him with, with, with uh, A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry, giving Tennessee their own version of the big three, Uh, You know, a a trademark that's become popular in the NBA, obviously going back to the Ray Allen, Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce days of the Boston Celtics. So the Titans had their own big three, was super stoked for that. And it just didn't work out. Right. Uh, His hamstring injuries, you know, uh, I I think we all we could all admit we spent a lot of time defending. You know, when he came to Tennessee, he had the hamstring injury the last year in Atlanta. And we all said, this is a guy that's never been injured before. uh, Never been an injury prone player. Atlanta were really bad. Let's be honest; we probably made some excuses, right? The Falcons were really bad a year ago. You know why? Why play them when they're you know three and ten, whatever they were? Um, no, it turned out the hamstring issues were a very real thing, and they were not going to go away. And Robinson obviously feels they're not going to go away in 2022, and there's no reason to think that they will, right? I mean, it's now been two straight seasons where he's dealt with severe hamstring issues, recurring hamstring issues. Uh, He's not getting younger, he's getting older, so there's no reason to think that those hamstrings are going to hold up going forward. Um, At the same time, I will say, if you're going to overly criticize John Robinson, this is one of those moves where you have to remember, reminds me of the Genevieve Clowney acquisition, right? Just because it didn't work out doesn't mean it was a terrible move. You'd be hard-pressed to find many people in Tennessee or many Titans fans that didn't want to sign Genevieve Clowney and didn't want to trade for Julio Jones, right? They were popular moves at the time they just didn't work out, right? I, I respect Robinson's willing to willingness to stay aggressive uh, and uh, as he consistently tries to improve this team and chase the Super Bowl. I, I always like to compare those two moves to the Vic Beasley move because I think they're perfect, um, you know, pale opposites, so to speak, because I we hated the Vic Beasley move. Most of us did. We thought it was stupid at the time. It proved to be stupid. That's the type of move you criticize your GM for. But when he makes a move that, you know, garners widespread acclaim like Julio and Clowney did, in my opinion, and they didn't work out. You just got to kind of say hindsight's twenty twenty. You know, you don't fault the GM too much for it. It is his job at the end of the day, of course. Uh, But uh, those were moves that we thought were going to work out, and they just didn't.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, the Julio move, we said it all all along. It was the right move at the time. And even if he missed the whole regular season, like he was going to be there and be a big factor and a big improvement for this team in the playoffs. And he was. He was a big he I mean, he had, what do you have, 65 yards or something? He had one of his biggest games of the year, the week 18 game against Houston. He got his first touchdown catch that week. And then he was on the field and productive in the playoff game against Cincinnati until the final drive of the season. And we never got actual news reported on this. I think Paul Koharski said something on Twitter about a month ago that was really the only mention of this that the reason Julio wasn't on the field for the final drive when Tannehill targeted Nick Westbrook-Akinian through a game season-ending interception, that Julio was on the sideline with an injured hamstring. and
0: It felt speculative, though, right?
1: It did, but I can see, you know, if Julio was just, like, taking a, drive off or if it's like this play call we've run it in practice so many times with nwi and julio was injured for most of the year so he didn't run this play in practice i can maybe buy that angle if julio had been restructured or or so found a way to keep him on the roster this year but the fact that they released him after he did kind of like come back and show that what we w- were expecting julio jones to be for the final few weeks of the year but then miss the last drive it's like i think john robinson and mike Vrabel were like we love this guy. We respect this guy for the career he's had, but he just doesn't have it anymore. It's time to move on. Save $9.5 million against the cap. Titans obviously designate this as a June, a post-June 1st cut, so they don't have that cap space now, but Mike Herndon at Mike Miracles made a great point about this, that they can use that money to sign their draft picks and for the like, in-season contingency money that they need. So, yes, they don't have that money now, but they can spend basically right up to the cap and then get that money back after yeah. June 1st. Uh, but yeah, I think, you know, we're, we're kind of laboring here on the Julio point, but the Titans were able to make a, a big addition at that wide receiver two position who will have about the same cap hit in the 2022 season as Julio was going to have. Obviously, Robert Woods has never had the kind of career or season that Julio Jones has put up, you know, a Hall of Famer. But Robert Woods, one of the top tier wide receiver twos, I think, in football a perfect scheme fit for this offense. PFF's top graded run blocker wide receiver last year. And, the music to their ears. And um, obviously played in this offense with Sean McVay in in Los Angeles. So your thoughts now as we move to the Titans giving up a 2023, not even 2022, but a 2023 sixth round pick to acquire Robert Woods.
0: I mean the, the capital makes it a home run, right? Like it's 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 crazy that it's a twenty twenty-three six. Obviously the Rams this is essentially the Rams released them and the Titans signed them, right? Like you in, in a sense you feel that way because and obviously I, I think someone had said on Twitter, you know, he's got I think three years left on his contract. But Titans can get out of it with relative ease, I believe, after Four years. Four years left on his contract, sorry. But the Titans can get out of it after 2022 with relative ease. But zero dead
1: that, cap zero after dead this cap. year. Yeah. Unless but they restructure, which they might do because they're currently over the cap and they could save like $7 million or so if they, if they convert his salary to a bonus and move it to next year. They could do that. It would increase next year's dead cap. But as it stands right now, zero dead cap after this season. That's crazy.
0: Yeah. And I think essentially because he had those four years left on his contract and the Rams were kind of, you know, having some salary cap difficulties throughout the offseason, they still want to re-sign Odell Beckham Jr. Apparently they're essentially just giving Robert Woods away for free here. Right. So uh, a great, a great opportunity presented itself for, for, for John Robinson to quickly replace Julio Jones, you know, being the wide receiver too. I know Woods, um, you know, can play at various positions on the field. So we'll see where he slots into their lineup, but he's obviously a starting caliber receiver that will be on the field more often than not. And you can play him in two receiver sets as well, right? Because he's such a good run blocker. So uh, it, it's a terrific addition. Obviously he's coming off the ACL, which Titans fans are probably going to give pause to, you know, we saw them, we've seen them get by the bit a little with the ACL with um with Bud Dupree a year ago, you know, it kind of took a while for him to come on. They had drafted Jeffrey Simmons after he had suffered an ACL. And obviously, he missed the first, what, six, seven or eight games of his rookie season and then came on strong, uh, strong, strong lead towards the end of the year. Uh, Taylor the one, you know, ACL uh, coming back from it last year didn't play his best football. We've all talked about, oh, you know, a year removed from the ACL, a guy is better suited to produce. They've taken injury chances on Caleb Farley. Obviously, that hasn't worked out yet, but that's obviously, you know, very early on in that process. Titans fans are probably going to worry about it a little bit, right, based on some of the previous experiences they've had. I will say Robert Woods is, what, three years younger than Julio Jones, so don't let what how Julio worked out let this impact the way you think of Robert Woods. Don't say, oh, they moved on from one uh, injured old receiver and grabbed another, you know, old injured receiver. I don't think that's quite fair. Woods is, like, three years younger than Julio, and that is pretty – pretty substantial in my opinion. I love the player when healthy and an unbelievable route runner, one of the most precise route runners in the league. You'll hear a lot of NFL receivers go around and ask them. What do you think some of the best receivers in the NFL are? You'd be surprised how many of them put Robert Woods on their list, right? Because they know what, what kind of guy he is, what kind of route runner he is. And obviously some of the other things he does, you talked about, like the blocking in the run game, PFF's top-rated uh, run blocker at the receiver position, such a good scheme fit, like you said. I mean, we could sit here all day and talk about the scheme fit. Hell, you, Sean McVay, of course, but he was also with Matt LaFleur there in, in Los Angeles, right? And that's what makes him such a good scheme fit because LaFleur moves from LA to Tennessee and installed the offense that they essentially still run today, even though they're two coordinators removed from the floor, right? With Arthur Smith right. and now Todd Downing, they've kept that system in place, right? Cause it's worked so well uh, with Ryan Tannehill. So it's a great fit. It's a great culture fit as well, right? Everyone talks about the, the man and the leader that he is going to get along with Mike Vrabel, not to mention an underrated aspect of this is it sounds like he kind of hand picked Tennessee as his destination, right? There are a lot of reports that came out uh, that said that Los Angeles worked closely with him to identify his next destination, right? They respected him so much. Sean McVay has so much respect for him that they wanted to make sure he landed somewhere that he wanted to be. Hats off to the Rams organization for doing that, right? Not every organization does that. And let's be honest, it could have impacted the return that they got, right? Like a 2023 sixth, if this was an open bidding war and other teams could, could try to trade for him, I, I, I think I'd be surprised if no team offered better than that, Right. The Green Bay Packers, who just traded away Devontae Adams and have nothing inside that receiver room and are trying to win a Super Bowl. Buffalo, hell, even the Buffalo Bills, potentially, right? They, they would have to restructure some things. But after they moved on from Cole Beasley, don't have Emmanuel Sanders, there are contenders, I imagine, that other contenders that would have had interest in trading for Robert Woods. So uh, it's great to hear that he had interest in landing in Tennessee. And, you know, the ACL gives me slight pause. But overall, I really love this acquisition.
1: He is. Um, they've reported that he's already jogging and uh, yes. words pod Zach from words pod who has done a lot of research into injury recovery timelines, notably with the Titans players like Jeffrey Simmons and was spot on with some of his projections there has has it um, based on his estimation thinks that Robert Woods will be available to go full speed in training camp by July. So you would hope that he doesn't have any setbacks. Now we're probably going to see one of those situations where he practices once or twice a week and takes a lot of rest days and takes a lot of day off because we know those ACLs can lead to swelling. We've seen it with Taylor Lewan, where he missed a game last year just because his knees swelled up, um, you know, randomly out of nowhere. He missed the the Rams game because of something like that. So – We'll keep an eye on that, and I do think that Robert Woods' impact early in the year may be not as strong as it will be as the season goes on. But it's also a guy like who's everyone says is such a great locker room fit, locker room leader, culture guy, and he's been to two Super Bowls now. And obviously he didn't play in the most recent one because of the, the ACL, but he... And Cooper Cup were teammates the year Cooper Cup tore his ACL and the Rams went to the Super Bowl that year and uh, lost to New England. And then Cooper Cup was there this year when Robert Woods tore his ACL. And um, I got to meet Robert Woods and talk to him during the Super Bowl week at Radio Row. And he talked a little bit about the advice that he was that cooper cup was able to give to him after he had been through a similar thing and robert woods was like just go out there and actually win the super bowl this time unlike we were able to do without you back in 2019 and obviously the rams did win that super bowl so comes over with a super bowl ring not the only pass catcher the titans have added the tight end room gets a huge upgrade as austin hooper has signed a one-year six million dollar deal with the titans He will be their undisputed tight end one. We have also Jeff Swaim in the room, uh, as we talked about last week. For some reason, the Titans have guaranteed $3.5 million essentially to Jeff Swaim. So that's happening for sure. But Austin Hooper comes in and definitely supplants Swaim as the presumptive tight end one. A way better pass catcher and run blocker and more versatile tight end than anyone the Titans had in the room last year. And probably the best pure receiving threat at tight end the Titans have had since Delaney Walker. What do you make of the signing of Austin Hooper, which kind of got buried a little bit under some major NFL news on Saturday, but we don't need to get into all of that on this podcast. What do you think of Austin Hooper?
0: It's It's a big addition, right? I mean, especially when you look at what the tight end room had last year, right? They didn't do a, a good job replacing Jonu Smith a year ago. And I know Jonu didn't have a great year in New England, but they went into the season with Anthony Furtzer. I think Michael Pruitt arrived in late August. Obviously, Jeff Swain had been re-signed. Uh, you know, there was Tommy Hudson in there. There was uh, Miller Forrestall was a UDFA out of Alabama. It just wasn't a very good tight end room, right? It, it, and you and I talked about the concerns all throughout last offseason, from what I recall, right? Throughout the preseason, Anthony Furtzer is your tight end one. Can he block? He's never done so before. They never asked him to do it. We <laughs> talked about the versatility they lost in uh, John knew a guy that can both run block and pass protect and, and, and catch passes, run routes as well. Of course, all our concerns came to fruition, right? We talked about the versatility they lost in terms of when, when Anthony first was on the field, you're tipping your hand. It's probably a passing play because he can't block. And I, maybe that hurt them last year, right? We were worried about it. It's tough to measure that truthfully, but um. They just didn't have that versatility last year. And I think they missed it. I think they missed it a lot. Austin Hooper's a dual threat guy that can play as an inline tight end, can block uh, in the running game for Derrick Henry, can run great routes. I think he can, you know, he's a guy that can beat man coverage one-on-one, defeat linebackers and safeties uh, and and, and win for you up the seam and win in the red zone some. They didn't have that guy last year and, and they have him now. He's undeniably the best tight end in the room and he would have been so last year as well so and this happened before the Robert, Robert Woods trade you felt pretty good about it right you felt finally they're doing something to upgrade receiver and tight end And like you said Robinson talked about it at the combine was a slow start hadn't done much but now you got Robert Woods and Austin Hooper I mean uh, it makes them a better football team going forward uh, certainly a better offensive supporting cast than they had a year ago uh, especially knowing what we now know right, about Julio Jones and the injury issues that he was going to have. So uh, you've, got, you've got to be pumped about Austin Hooper. And, and I, I want to say this, not to extend that that conversation, but it wouldn't shock me. I'm not saying they won't, but it wouldn't shock me if they don't do anything else at the tight end position or anything big at the tight. I think a lot of people are still expecting. I saw a lot of chatter on Twitter saying, "Oh, go sign Gerald Everett now" or uh, you know, they should still draft one uh, in the second or third round. And I still think they should, but I'm making a prediction that if they do neglect one of these three posi- one of these four positions, wide receiver, guard, tight end, or tackle going forward, if they now neglect one of those positions from this day on, it'll be tight end.
1: Yeah, maybe I, I I'm intrigued by that discussion i want to get to it in a second before we do i want to cover austin hooper's statistically a little bit so this is a guy who was on an ascending career arc every season in atlanta his receptions his yards and his touchdowns increased every single year he never had a catch rate below 70 percent catching more than 70% of his targets, more than 75% of his targets for each of his final three years in Atlanta, playing with a smart, accurate quarterback like Matt Ryan, who we'll talk about more in a bit. And during his final season in Atlanta, 2019, 75 catches, 787 yards and six touchdowns, including a week four game against the Tennessee Titans when he had a season high 11 targets, a season-high nine catches, and a season-high 130 yards. So John Robinson and company, obviously, in attendance for that game when he basically smoked the Titans' defense for 130 yards. Obviously, Tennessee able to win 24-10, to 10, playing a, a lot of off coverage and leaving the middle open for much of the second half as they baited Atlanta into dumping short passes off to try to catch up. But, the, but anyway, the point being... Hooper goes to Cleveland, where he has a less accurate, less intelligent, less talented quarterback in Baker Mayfield, who spent a lot of time injured, so he's also catching passes from guys like Case Keenum and other scrubs in in Cleveland. His catch rate drops to 65% in 2020, 62% last year. He has 435 yards receiving in 2020, only 345 yards last year. So a couple of down years for Austin Hooper in Cleveland. Obviously a, a crowded tight end room there, crowded wide receiver room with a lot of who knows what the heck dysfunction was going on in that locker room.
0: And a run-first offense too, right? And a I mean, run-first so offense. for Titans, but...
1: But yeah, that's true. But the Titans... Um, I think provide a lot better opportunity for Hooper to be a productive playmaker. And because of those two years in Cleveland, you get him at a pretty good discount. I think one year, 6 million is considerably less than what he signed for when he went to Cleveland two years ago. So a good move overall, savvy move. That's a kind of like not immediate free agency move, but the smart move that a, a general manager like John Robinson makes to help build a team without sacrificing resources. It is just a one year deal. And because of that, we'll get into our next discussion here. I do think the Titans are still going to be targeting a tight end pretty high in the draft. I don't think they're going to sign anyone else. Maybe like Kyle Rudolph or, or a veteran presence like that, although I would be kind of surprised at this point. And since the Titans signed Jeff Swaim, you know, Robert Tunyon went back to uh, Green Bay on a deal that was very similar, $3.7 million. And O.J. Howard signed a contract that was almost exactly the same as what Jeff Swaim got. So that looks like the range for those guys. I'd be pretty surprised if someone like Kyle Rudolph, who's getting way up there in in years, signed for more than that. But that would be crazy if the Titans added Kyle Rudolph and he was playing for less money than Jeff Swaim this year. (laughs) Just a funny thing to think about. But I think the Titans are going to be major players for one of these top tight ends in the draft. I could see their third round pick being spent on it, one of their fourth round picks being spent on a tight end. I don't think they go for a tight end later than the fourth round because Like I said, Austin Hooper on a one-year deal. Your only other tight end right now is Jeff Swaim. You need a tight end of the future. And with Austin Hooper there this year, you can give a rookie a year to like learn how to be an NFL professional player before you have to rely on him to be productive. I think Trey McBride, any of these guys that are considered the top tight ends in the class are on the table for the Titans, even at 26 overall. So, I mean, there's no tight end worth taking at 26 overall, in my opinion. I agree. But I could see... John Robinson doing the thing he does where you know he takes the, the player that we think is a first-round player in the second round and the player that we think is a second-round player in the first round, and that being I, a tight end this I, year.
0: I, I, I'd be shocked if they went tight end in the first round. Let, let me make this clear because I don't want to – I'm not arguing against you. And I think my personal opinion is that tight end should still be high on their list for a lot of the reasons that you kind of laid out there. But I'm just making a prediction that, and anything that, and let me also say this: anything that happens in the fourth round or later, I don't count. I I, that you know that's a day three pick. At the end of the day, but when I'm looking at the roster and I'm looking at, I'm just trying to think the way John Robinson thinks. Jeff Swain, you we've talked about it, right? Three and a half million dollars a year guaranteed this year. I'm thinking that's tight end two money. You know and. And Agreed. I think as of now, I think John Robinson is looking at his roster. And I think he looks at the offensive tackle position potentially and said, I need to get a tackle before I get a tight end. Thinks they're looking at receiver. And I think they certainly still need a receiver before they need a tight end. And I think they could be looking at guard saying, I need a guard before a tight end. As of now, you only have two picks in the first three rounds. Now you, you might be able to trade back, but you don't have your second rounder as things stand. So I'm just making a prediction that in the first and third round, as of now, those two picks will be sp- spread across either receiver, tackle, or guard. That's what I'm thinking after the Hooper addition. Not again. Not saying I necessarily agree, but I think if I'm if I'm the Titans and they're eliminating one of those four positions that qualifies the most obvious needs, I think it'll be tight end. Because I, I think it's very clear that they paid Jeff Slane tight end two money. Austin Hooper's getting tight end one money. It still have Tommy Hudson, right? Tommy Hudson's not a free agent. It wouldn't shock me Tom, Tommy Hudson's tight end three. They're going to bring in a UDFA after the draft, right? That's going to compete for you. Or they'll well. like you said, around four, five, six, that can compete for the third tight end roster spot. As of right now, again, I'm just making a prediction. I think this is kind of shaping towards offensive line and wide receiver uh, earlier in the draft and tight end.
1: I don't disagree with that, but Jeff Swaim's contract is also only one year. So the two tight ends who are not undrafted free agent, former undrafted free agents, are both only on one-year deals. And your rookie, even if he's a high draft pick, we've seen how the Titans treat rookies, could still be considered tight end three, even if he's a second or third rounder. The Titans don't have a second rounder, but they could move around and obviously get one somehow if they decided to. But yes, I agree. I think, honestly, we're not, we don't need to get into a huge draft discussion right now, but between guard and tackle... I feel like the Titans will end up taking one early as in the first two days and not both. So we'll see like yes. h- how they value Dylan Raiden's, where they think Jamarco Jones factors in, I think is going to obviously play a lot of a big role in how they attack the offensive line. But I do think, I mean, There's a lot of positions in play for the first round pick right now, and that's how it should be. You don't want to uh, pigeonhole yourself into having to take a position that you have a big hole at. But right now, I could see the Titans going anywhere from offensive guard, wide receiver, offensive tackle, Uh, Tight end, like I said, if they reached for one or even as somebody was it Teron Davenport or somebody reported recently that they could go cornerback in the first round, which I mean, you presumably have your top three corners on the roster all drafted in the last few years in Christian Fulton, Elijah Molden and Caleb Farley. But we don't know where Farley will be in his recovery from an ACL tear when September hits. You probably don't want a rookie first round pick like slotted in as a need to be starter there either. The Titans did bring back Buster screen, which we're about to get to here in a second, but I mean, it wouldn't like we had a group chat conversation about this where people were saying like, this would be, this would be admitting that the Caleb Farley pick was a failure and this would be a huge misallocation of resources. Look, I disagree. I think you can never have too many corners on the roster. And if you filled most of your other holes and you are planning, obviously to draft the rest of the draft, you don't have like, it's not like your first round pick is your only pick in the draft. That you can never have too many corners. Players get hurt every single year. It's a passing league where teams have three dominant wide receivers on the field nowadays. I'm not saying it's a great way to use your resources, <laughs> but I'm not super against uh, it either. You know, if you can get I'm, a stud cornerback at 26, then take it.
0: I'm pretty against it. So it's fun to argue with you on this because uh, we don't argue enough on this show. I, I agree that you can never have too many corners, but I also agree that it would be a giant gross misallocation of resources like you drafted caleb farley last year in the first round to come in and lock down that spot opposite christian fulton considering how bad let's be honest kind of how bad the offense was a year ago you spent all of last offseason focusing on the defense you overcompensated on that side of the ball and you kind of hurt your offense you got to go offense heavy in this draft i think it would be a pretty bad uh, I would be extremely disappointed if they drafted a corner in the first round Get, for various reasons. Given the Caleb Farley pick from a year ago, and and given the fact that um, you need to improve this offense, right? You're getting older on the offensive line. You don't you still don't have enough at the receiver position, even after the Robert Woods trade. I, I maintain that opinion. Um, no, I, I would be extremely disappointed if they go corner.
1: I will save my rebuttal for a future episode because we have plenty of time to talk draft. Yes, but. And we have a lot of moves to cover. So let's get into the rest of what the Titans did. A little rapid fire here. They bring back Dontrell Hilliard. They bring back Jordan Wilkins, who was mostly a practice squad guy until he got in for a special teams play and had like a holding on one play or something that he... played a terrible stepped penalty stepped on a special out team of bounds on or on something. first snap as a Titan. <laughs> and
0: I, I, everyone remembered, everyone was waiting for Jordan Wilkins to get on the field. It's a terrible special, uh, one that really shot them in the foot. I'm honestly yeah. shocked they brought him back. I think I tweeted after that play... I guess you can pull it up. Freezing cold takes whatever that uh, Jordan Wilkins has played his last game for the Titans. Like, it was such a bad, <laughs> it was such a bad special teams penalty. I wish I remembered more about yeah. it, but I remember it was horrible. Wow. I, I am kind of surprised that they re-signed. They came in Week 18, I think, and it was the only. You know, I don't, I don't think he was active for the playoff game. I, no, he wasn't right. because They cut him when Derrick Henry got back. Right. I'm, I'm right. Sure. Right.
1: But um, this is I, this is more of a camp body move. They also signed running yes. back special teamer Trenton Cannon, who like famously muffed an insane, like stumbled and fumbled a ball <laughs> on a kick return for San Francisco. Going to uh, fit
0: right into their special teams room, right? The way they've returned kicks and punts lately. But he might be your kick returner, punt returner next year. I know we're doing some rapid fire. Maybe again, he's a guy that'll you know. I don't think he's going to get on the field as a running back. I think Dontrell Hilliard is the yeah. favorite to be your number two running back right now. Right. And, and he should be, he earned and it. He should be Change the pace back, uh, scored a couple of big touchdowns, right? I think he had a 68 yarder in one game, a 50 yarder in another, one of the dolphins and the Patriots games, right? Where he scored two really long touchdowns can catch the ball, can pass protect. I like him. Look, he's cheaper than uh, Deontay Foreman who left the sign with Carolina and is hoping to get a bigger opportunity there. I think Hilliard is your number two running back right now. And uh, you know, Cannon and Wilkins, maybe they battle for uh, running back three. And it probably depends on what they can do on special teams.
1: Yeah. And Torrey Carter is your fullback, as Kari Blossom game has tweeted his farewell to the Titans, not tendered by Tennessee. And I'm, I'll tell you right now the news Derek I Hen- broke, by the way, that
0: Kari Blossing game yeah. was not, was right. not tendered.
1: Um, I'll tell you right now the Titans are not going to have Derrick Henry, Dontrell Hilliard, Jordan Wilkins, um, Trenton Cannon, and Torrey Carter. On the roster next year. No. you are going to have four of those maximum. So either yes. Wilkins or Cannon's not making the roster at the end of the day. But anyway. And I'll say yeah.
0: right now, early early roster predictions on MCA, why not? I'll predict that Cannon will make the team and not Wilkins.
1: I agree. And Wilkins is a very, very strong practice squad candidate to keep around in case somebody yes. gets hurt. And they might still coaches.
0: go get a UDFA. For, I mean, they almost certainly will. So we'll see yep. what
1: happens. And they might draft someone. I don't expect a, a yeah, day one or two good. pick, but like a six-rounder round, six thrown at a running back? I could see it. Um, Absolutely. All right. Get another Kafani
0: Muhammad in here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The last bit of big news roster news for the Titans here is that they have re-signed kicker Randy Bullock, a two year, four and a half million dollar deal with about one point. What was it? Six, eight guaranteed, something like that. So the Titans have their kicker for the next two years. We talked a lot about how they're probably going to bring in some competition for Bullock and retain Bullock. We nailed almost the entire free agency period for the Titans so far. We didn't see a Robert Woods trade come in, but we had a pretty good beat on what this team was going to do. It's also what tough do you make? to predict trades in our credit. Oh, almost impossible, um, especially when it's like a random player like gets, like you said, Sean McVay works with the player to like take less compensation and find a good home for him ram sign Allen robinson i don't think anyone saw that coming so anyway R- randy bullock will probably be the titans kicker for the next two years he's an average kicker in this league he can make his fair share of game winning kicks he's gonna miss a handful of 40 plus yarders throughout the season and that's just kind of what you get with the randy bullock <laughs> yeah
0: i mean i don't have a lot to add i think that's a perfect description i've seen some people i think it was robert greenlaw Uh, Of Broadway sports media, the the great Twitter, Twitter takes author, Robert Greenlaw uh, and on the flex podcast as well uh, said something along the lines of, uh, you know, they fell in love with the first mediocre kicker they found. You can't really blame them given the hell that they went through at the position the previous two years. I think it's a pretty fair adequate description to be honest. That's they've obviously had a really hard time even finding someone as reliable as Randy Bullock, even though he's not the most reliable kicker in the league Uh, It probably makes sense to keep them. Look, it's hard to find kickers in this league, right? It it just is. So, and then the draft, I I maintain a belief that um, it's really hard to predict future success for kickers, right? We've seen some of the most successful kickers in college become not very good NFL kickers. Remember when Tampa Bay drafted Roberto Aguayo or whatever his name was in like the third or fourth round? He's coming from like FSU, was the most like successful kicker in college history. And he was terrible in the NFL. I, it's just such a hard position to predict. So uh, they, they, they they have found a decent one in Randy Bullock. Doesn't shock me they're sticking with him. I will say that they probably will bring in competition, but it is a via UDFA. But given the contract that they've given Randy, it's almost impossible that that UDFA is going to unseat Randy.
1: Right, I think that that is. It would take uh,
0: knock on wood. It would take like a training camp preseason injury for that UDFA to have a legitimate
1: chance. Agreed, especially with the contract they gave to him there, but. Um, yes, fully agreed. I think this team has to do a lot of restocking at offensive line and special teams positions and things that you're spending your day three picks on that are not the kicker position this year. And you can look to draft. Maybe if you find someone you really fall in love with a day three kicker, maybe next year, maybe the year after that. But this year specifically, the Titans do have some depth and some other holes that they need to fill in the draft. So like a Cade York type of type of draft pick or, uh, the Texas kicker yeah sorry um to our lsu buddy rob greenlaw the titans also re-signed cornerback buster screen as predicted by you that they likely would gives him a veteran cornerback presence uh he played well in the in the limited time that he played for the titans last year and um you know with jack rabbit jenkins moving on with caleb farley having a torn acl that he's recovering from you could see screen being a candidate to start at least week one until farley's back up to speed uh, a pretty good signing, veteran who, like you said, made the playoffs for the first. You said this last week, made the playoffs for the first time in his career with the Titans. Probably happy to be back in Tennessee on a playoff contending team.
0: Yeah, he quickly tweeted, "Run it back!" Right after uh, they uh, announced they resigned him. It kind of lives up to my point of how excited he is to be with a contender. Um, I feel pretty smart, and I don't feel smart often. But I, I wrote that article for Broadway a couple of days before they resigned him. I wrote an article saying, uh, laying out three options to replace Jackrabbit Jenkins with. I didn't have to include Buster Screen in that article, but I did because I thought it made a lot of sense. Right? Look, I think they wanted to get a veteran to replace Jackrabbit Jenkins with. They they got a lot of young guys in that room with Molden and and, and Fulton and Farley and even Chris Jackson. So I think they wanted a veteran to replace some of that experience and leadership they lost in Jackrabbit, but it obviously had to come at a fraction of the cost of Jackrabbit because they could afford to spend big at corner. They would have just kept Jackrabbit. Right, so it had to be a veteran that was going to be cheaper. Screen played well down the stretch, thinks he makes, a, think he makes a lot of sense to bring him back as depth, uh, veteran depth. If look, if Caleb Farley is healthy, he's obviously your starter, but if he's not you know healthy enough to start week one or he's battling inconsistencies or a setback or whatever, think Screen gives you an okay in house option, right? I, I don't think you just hand them that role, probably have to wrestle it away from Chris Jackson as well, right? Jackson can play in. Inside and outside i don't think screen has earned a reputation where they're just going to give it to them um but uh certainly gives you more depth experience leadership a guy that thrives in your system albeit for only six games it's not a giant sample size but it's not a one or two game sample size either right so you feel good about the player you know secondary coach anthony midget feels good about the player um makes a lot of sense to bring him back I, I always thought that they would
1: Yeah, I agree. All right. My next question now, do you think the Titans do anything else? Somebody hit me on Twitter the other day after the Titans had made very few moves and was like, are the Titans going to do anything? And I said, I'm expecting they add a veteran at wide receiver, cornerback, and tight end. Since I tweeted that, they traded for Robert Woods, they signed Austin Hooper, and they re-signed Buster Screen. Those were the three big things I was expecting. I don't know if we're going to see a whole lot more from the Titans this free agency period. Jarvis Landry is still out there. There's a connection, obviously, with Ryan Tannehill. Yes, there were some reports when Jarvis first signed with Cleveland that he was, like, happy to be away from Tannehill and said, like, now I have a real QB or something completely idiotic, which is obviously just a player hyping up the new team he's on and not taking shots at the old team. Tannehill and Landry apparently, like, Made up whatever differences they had at the Pro Bowl a few years ago, so I, that doesn't worry me even in the slightest. I think Landry would love to come back and play with Tannehill after playing two years with Baker Mayfield. But regardless, do you think there's another move this team is going to make here at any position uh, that would really like make headlines here? Aside from like possibly re-signing Ola Daney or something like that, which I really hope they do.
0: And Dane Crookshank, by the way. Yeah. Yes. Um- Yes and no. Two thoughts on that. I think they're probably done adding difference makers via free agency. And number two, if they're not done, uh, I think it'll be an offensive lineman. I I don't think it'll be another wide receiver or another tight end. But look, you've got one receiver at Austin Hooper, one, uh, sorry, one tight end in Austin Hooper, one receiver in Robert Woods, and one offensive lineman in Jamarco Jones. One of these is not quite like the others, right? So Mm -hmm. I think if you're going to make a move, a uh, sizable, obviously they're going to make lots of moves, but a sizable move, I think it'll be on the O-line, but it wouldn't shock me if they're done, uh, essentially, and head into the draft uh, to address the rest of these needs, and I'm, I'm still, you know, truthfully really hoping for a receiver in round one, but it wouldn't shock me if it's a guard or tackle. It depends on who's there.
1: I agree. I'm hoping, I mean, my dream, and if this is not going to change, this beat will not change for the rest of the month and through the draft. And that is that I want Chris Olave at 26 to the Titans. We'll see if he is even available at that spot. But if it happens, I'd be ecstatic. That's where I hope they go.
0: If it's an offensive line, then it'll be, my prediction is Trevor Penning or Zion Johnson. Although I don't, I think those are the two that are most likely uh, that they'll like and that they could be. I have a feeling Penning might go pretty early and they won't have a chance at him, but uh, Olave, Penning, Zion Johnson, Jamison Williams, Alabama. I mean, I don't know that they'd want to bring in another. I, I love Jamison Williams, but you want to have him and Robert Woods taking up the rehab room with the same ACL injury um, yeah. at receiver. So that I'll tell
1: you this. Based on conversations I had at the Combine, that's right. I have sources now. Not really, <laughs> but I did talk to some scouts at the Combine, and the consensus that I got was that Jamison Williams is far and away the top wide receiver in this class. That's how he's viewed by the NFL. I don't think he's there at 26, ACL or not. They should they love him in, in the league. He so, he's amazing. He's the
0: top 12 player in this class, I think. Yeah, I think I, I, have, I haven't even released my big board yet. I, I've been so busy. I haven't even been able to publish a big board. I do have one. So I haven't published one yet. Um, but, I, I mean, he's like a top 15 player for me in this class. No doubt about
1: it. And you got the Packers picking ahead of the Titans, who just traded Devontae Adams. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of wide receiver needy teams. The Everyone Browns to might have still
0: go get a receiver. The right? Browns, or, or the new of course. The Falcons, the Falcons, you haven't seen the Falcons receiver room. Oh, my God.
1: I mean, (laughs) yeah. Oh, my God. We'll get to the Falcons in a second, because the next thing we're going to talk about is what happened in the division. The Falcons have traded Matt Ryan to the Colts for a third round pick. Oh, Chris Ballard is such an amazing general manager. He traded Carson Wentz for two thirds and then he got Matt Ryan for less. Oh, my God. Okay, let's calm down here and talk about how this is. Chris Ballard, sixth quarterback in six years, another veteran past his prime, a very Philip Riversian type of move here, bringing in Matt Ryan. What do you think? We said last week that we were not scared of basically any option the Colts could add at quarterback. However, Matt Ryan wasn't really an option last week. We were talking about the Jimmy G's and the Baker Mayfields of it all. I think Matt Ryan is clearly the best quarterback they could have added out of the Jimmy Garoppolo's group that was available. But that said, he's still a 37-year-old quarterback way past his prime, who's shown decreasing arm strength in every season for the last few years, who hasn't been the guy that that won MVP in 2016 for quite some time, going to a team that has Michael Pittman as a solid, not spectacular wide receiver and not a whole lot else. What do you think of this?
0: Yeah, I'm excited to see how this plays out because I kind of differ from you on this slightly and I probably differ from most Titans fans. Look, it, I think it'd be easy for us to put on the two tone glasses and say, Oh, you know, he's going to suck and he's old and the Colts suck and this and that. Um, I, I do like what you said that you were able, like that you admitted that it was the best move they could make at quarterback. I certainly agree. It was the worst case scenario for the Titans based on what they, they could have brought in Baker Mayfield or Marcus Mariota or Jimmy Garoppolo. Matt Ryan is still a better quarterback than all of those options. Right. And, People are looking. I, I think the Philip Rivers comparison is a good one, right? When they brought in Rivers past his prime, but let's not forget that they went 11 and 5 with Philip Rivers at quarterback. And if Sam Sloman, Titans legend, Sam Sloman doesn't make a double joint <laughs> game-winning field goal against a really bad Texans team, by the way, the Titans could have creamed, but they didn't. Uh, the Philip Rivers-led Colts win the AFC South that year, right? And the Titans ended up winning the division, but they had the same record at 11 and 5, right? So. I think this puts the Colts a lot closer to the Titans, and the average fan probably wants to admit. The way I look at it right now, both the Titans and Colts, and barring health, and, you know, injury, yada yada, they're both ten or eleven win football teams next season. You know, so I, that, that's, and when you've been around as you know long enough as I have. <laughs> wins can wins and losses they swing right like it's literally there's not a big difference between a nine win team and an 11 win team right like it just yeah the outcome of two three games switches and and that's how you get a nine and eight team or a 12 and five 11 you know 10 and seven 11 and six so I, I I think it's a good move for the Colts I agree that they don't have enough weapons at receiver and tight end and I'm very curious to see what Ballard does going forward to kind of address that. I mean, obviously the, they don't have a first round pick, but they've got a lot of mid round picks and there are going to be really good receivers available with those picks. You know, they brought back Mo Ali Cox, but you've lost Zach, you know, Zach Pascal who was an unspectacular receiver three Paris Campbell can't stay healthy for the life of him. Uh, Jack Doyle retired. Uh, T Y Hilton's a free agent and, you know, not going to come back is obviously past his prime. So yeah, they, they need two receivers, not one, but two. And that obviously hurts. But I also think you're keeping that Ryan in a dome, you know, where he's had success in Atlanta. You're giving him, people also are not respecting how much better of an offensive line he's about to inherit. If you didn't watch the Atlanta Falcons last season. Oh my God. Like just awful. Like Jalen Mayfield. Sorry. Not just quickly. Jalen Mayfield was like, a tackle at Michigan who I was kind of high on they drafted him I think in the second or third round converted him to left guard and oh my god you'd be hard pressed to find a guy that was less prepared for the NFL and less prepared to play guard in the NFL like he was objectively atrocious like unbelievably bad and and they had other issues up front there so the difference in like you are literally going from either the 30th or 32nd worst offensive line in the NFL to the third or fourth or fifth best offensive line in the NFL. So this is a really drastic change for Matt Ryan. That's going to make them a lot more comfortable.
1: Now well, let's be clear here. Okay. Because Mike Lewinsky Colts starting guard and Eric Fisher, the Colts starting left tackle both no longer on the team. So I don't know who's going to start a guard for the Colts and they need a left tackle. So yeah, was the Falcons offensive line atrocious is the Colts offensive line an upgrade. Yes, but it's also not the same offensive line the Colts had a couple of years ago when they were by far one of the best offensive lines, unquestionably one of the best lines in the league. They are not that line anymore. They don't have a left tackle. That's the most important position on your For line sure. still. And we have and to see how they'll
0: address that. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. So so I think that your point is take well taken, but it's also not like he's going to play behind – what was like the Cowboys 2016 offensive line or anything super vaunted like that. I still Um, think it'll
0: be a drastic difference between what he experienced last year. And I think you'll stay a run heavy, you know, a run first team with Jonathan Taylor in the backfield. And um, again, what did Atlanta have it running? I know, you know, Porter Patterson was a versatile do it all weapon, but they didn't have a good, Between the tackles, traditional rushing attack. In fact, it was very bad. They were near the bottom of the league in rushing yards per contest. In fact, I want to say the Houston Texans were the only team that averaged less rushing yards per game than the Falcons did. As good as Patterson was, they were throwing in the ball, right? Getting the ball in his hands via creative manner. So it's a really bad rushing offense as well. So now you're going to a team with a top rushing attack, a top running back, a much better offensive line. This is really good for Matt Ryan, right? And I think he's still a good enough quarterback where because of all those factors in play with the O-line, with the running back situation, where he'll take advantage of those and give them a better passing attack. than they had a year ago. I would take Matt Ryan in 2022 before I would take Carson Wentz.
1: Oh, absolutely. There's no question about that. And that's that, why they're doing opinion. it.
0: So, and right. how many games it- did they win a year ago with Carson Wentz? Nine, maybe? Nine. Me? Nine. Colts are a ten or eleven win football team, and that should put them in contention for the AFC South. At least yeah. in contention. I'm not saying they're going to win. In contention. It. They should be favorites, but it's going to be close.
1: Titans were twelve and five last year. Colts were nine and eight, so a three game gap, and that was the Titans playing the half of the year without Derrick Henry, AJ Brown, Julio sure. Jones. Do, does Matt Ryan close a three game gap between Indy and Tennessee?
0: I think it's really close. I think, I think it's and close I also too. think. I call me crazy here, but I don't think it's fair to say, and I'm not saying you're saying this, but oh, the Titans won 12 games a year ago and they had all these injuries. That's a fact. I'm not arguing that, but I don't think the Titans are a 13 or 14 win team next season
1: because of all those injuries. I think- Well, let me me hit you with a question. Assuming health this year, because we didn't have it last year, A.J. Brown, Julio Jones- Anthony Ferkser, who's the top tight end last year? Ferkser? Would you take that group, healthy, so Julio Jones, over A.J. Brown, Robert Woods, Austin Hooper this year?
0: That's tough because I I think it's hard for me to remove the the bias of the Julio situation out of the equation because I know he's not healthy, and I know he can't stay healthy. Yeah. I I think I was more excited for last year's group overall going into the year but I think this year's group will be better knowing what we know about Julio, right? Having Robert yeah. Woods, I think, is going to be a pretty big upgrade in Austin Uber. But I still don't think they're a 13 or 14-win football team in 2022. That's not because I'm down on them. The AFC is loaded. Like, it's yeah. – they, they, they play the AFC West
1: this year. They play the AFC West this year, which and means – Who do know, they play the, in the NFC? East. NFC East.
0: So, Cowboys. I mean, that's not a very good division, I don't think.
1: No, um, Carson Wentz again.
0: <laughs> that's uh, Carson Wentz. Right, that's right. I should have known that because I remember that Carson Wentz gets to play against the Colts. Right, but their division. I mean, and analyzing schedules is tough, but their schedule does look tougher, right? Like they, you know, Kansas City Chiefs, Denver Broncos, Las Vegas Raiders, Los Angeles Chargers. Like, I'm sorry, I, I big Titans and fan. Three of Not those 13,
1: teams got team. three of those teams got notably better in the AFC West. Notably, I mean, like. like
0: and they play Undo the bills di- again right like the bills yeah, are a tough one no schedule. matter what
1: first yeah, place division got Von schedule, Miller, so. like
0: it's probably going to be a really hard schedule for the titans so again so, not a 13 win football team i would you know i would put the over under at 11.5 if i was an odds maker and i think the colts are right there 10 11 wins
1: yeah i th- i think the titans should be the f- division favorite still but I, I i think the biggest upgrade that the colts get out of this is for lack of a better term the way the browns describe their qb room they get an adult at quarterback because yeah. zach Kiefer of the athletic put out an art was it zach Kiefer? yeah i think it was zach. yes i believe it was put out an article for the athletic talking about how behind closed doors it wasn't just the jacksonville game that that had carson wentz sent packing it was his overall attitude and just like a general not leader vibe in the locker room. Difficult to d- difficult personality to deal with. I think when Matt Ryan comes in there, he's a veteran. He's going to be a leader. He's going to provide stability for the quarterback room and for the locker room and for the offense in general. He's not going to make mistakes like we saw Carson Wentz make where he's being pulled down in the end zone and throwing a pick six type of play. Um, now, Matt Ryan's going to have trouble getting out of pressure if he's pressured because he's 37 and never was that mobile to begin with sure. and he's going to bring his own his own deficiencies but you know he's going to make the check down he's going to get the ball out quickly like philip rivers did he's going to be a huge upgraded quarterback for them both on the field and in the locker room and the exactly. mental aspects of the game so I, i'm fully I, with you on that one
0: and that'll make them a 10 11 win football team
1: i, I think it definitely could Depends on uh, what they, how they address that offensive line, what kind of playmakers they can add that can make a year one difference in the draft this year. And on defensive side, I mean, they lost Rocky sin who wasn't, I mean, he was an average player, I think, but he who had a bounce
0: back year. I thought, I thought he played well. They're going
1: to play a cornerback this year. I mean, uh, I got Kenny Moore who's a, r- a great player, but what well, I think the Colts have a lot more holes than people give them credit for. Cause they had seven pro bowlers last year, but seven it pro should bowlers be pretty bowlers. Five- they
0: should be pretty good in the front seven as well. Right? I think like they De- will be. DeForest De- 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 De Buckner, Darius Leonard, training for Yannick and Gokwe would probably be yeah, a pretty shrewd move. And I-, I like their young rushers, right? Quitty Pay. Um, uh, I'm not going to pretend I remember how to pronounce the, the kid from Vanderbilt's name, Deo Araimbo. I can't remember his name now. He's yeah, a guy yeah. that had a really bad pre draft injury last year. So we ended up getting him in the second or third round. Like, Quitty Pay had four sacks a year ago, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it's not bad for a rookie, right? Rookie pass rushers rarely light the world on fire. Um, I think they kept, uh, who did they keep? Um, uh, uh Ty- Lewis, the kid from Ohio state, they re-signed recently. So, uh, they'll have a good front seven. I'll say that.
1: Yeah, I agree. And in the wake of the Matt Ryan trade, the Falcons went and got their new quarterback, former Tennessee Titans starter, spent the last two years with the Raiders, Marcus Mariota. Here's my biggest question. Kyle Pitts is number eight. What number is Marcus going to wear?
0: That's a good, that's a good question. Right. <laughs> I don't know. Right. He's more, I wonder if Pitts is willing to have a conversation about that. Probably not. Right. I mean, he loves that number, but worn was born eight his whole career, right. Even dating back to Oregon. So that's his, a fair question. And by the way, if you his haven't charity seen, is the
1: motivate foundation motive. That's right. eight. Yeah,
0: that's yeah. great. That's a great point. And <laughs> if you haven't seen terms of the deal, by the way, cause I'm always on my phone, they were released during the recording of this podcast in the middle of it. It's not a bad contract for Mario and it's two years uh, $18.75 million. So an average of just under $9.5 million a year. It's obvious, you know, it, it's high-end backup, low-level starting quarterback money. I think it's pretty similar to what Mitch Trubisky got in Pittsburgh, uh, if my memory serves me correctly. Um, good for Marcus Mariota. The only other quarterback on the Atlanta Falcons roster right now is former undrafted free agent Felipe Franks. So as of now, there is absolutely no competition. For the starting job. Marcus Mariota is the starting quarterback in Atlanta as of now. It's the opportunity he was patiently waiting for throughout free agency, right? He waited for a lot of these dominoes to fall. He entered for, oh, you know, Marcus Mariota is going to be a, a sought after name in free agency. We saw a lot of the other dominoes fall first, right? Teddy Bridgewater goes to Miami to back up uh, Tua Um, I believe J- Jacoby Brissett ended up in Cleveland, I think it was now, to back up Deshaun Watson. Uh, the, to start for Deshaun
1: Watson while he's
0: suspended. While yeah. he's suspended. That's a good point. The New York Giants brought in – geez, it's escaping you – know, t- to Rod Taylor, I think. Yep. To back up yep. Daniel Jones. Baker Nathan still going to get traded. We don't know where. Matt Ryan – goes what? back.
1: Jameis goes back to okay. New Orleans.
0: New Orleans. Matt Ryan gets traded to Indianapolis. Like Marcus Mariota kind of waited for all these dominoes to fall, and it was starting to look like his options were dwindling down, right? Uh, but he lands in Atlanta right after the Ryan uh, trade. It's a great landing spot for him, a great chance for him to uh, capture the starting, j- starting job once again. Obviously, Atlanta pick eighth in the draft. They still could pick a quarterback. Liberty's Malik Willis, Pittsburgh's uh, Kenny Pickett, Cincinnati's Desmond Ritter. I think those three guys could be the options at eight overall uh, for the Falcons. Don't forget, they drafted fourth last year. And they passed on drafting a quarterback in what in what was a much more loaded quarterback class. Who do they yeah. end up passing on? Uh, Matt Jones and Justin Fields. Obviously, the the jury is still out on those two guys, but they were more you know uh, highly touted prospects in comparison to the quarterbacks in this year's class. So, be interesting to see if they pass on a quarterback again, or if now they finally feel desperate enough to take one. And that would obviously potentially hurt Mariota's chances of starting although it wouldn't shock me especially a guy like willis and ritter who may not be ready to start right away it wouldn't shock me if Mariota was still the bridge starter if it ends yeah. up being one of those guys but
1: those you know, quarterbacks got to make it past the lions at two the panthers yes. at six i yes. mean
0: uh panthers very similar situation i don't want to get into that but it interests me very similar to atlanta passed on the quarterback last year took a corner in the top 10 passed on the same two quarterbacks i think it was justin fields and matt jones yeah end up taking a corner they hate their quarterback situation now they're drafting in the top 10 again will they take one very similar situations and they play in the same division and they both struck out on trying to get to sean watson right so it's pretty funny that they both find themselves uh, in a pretty similar situations here a lot of people i don't want to crap on marcus Mariota, but a lot of people are going to talk about how oh he reunites with arthur smith
1: it's true He's going to pick up right where he left off in week six last year, or 2019, I mean.
0: (laughs) I have the numbers. I looked them up after the signing was made because I was curious. (laughs) It's not like these two men experienced any success with one another, and quite frankly, I am a little surprised that Arthur Smith was even interested in reuniting with Mariota. Five and a half games under Arthur Smith in 2019 because he was benched midway through week six. 94 of 159 that's a 59% completion percentage which is obviously under the desire well under the desired 62 63 plus percent You hope your starting quarterback achieves 1,179 passing yards. That works out to 196 yards per game. Mind you, he didn't get to finish that sixth game, so a little unfair, but 196 per game, seven touchdowns versus two interceptions, which looks great, but six of those touchdown passes came in two games where he had two great performance, uh, three touchdown performances.
1: The Browns and the Falcons.
0: And the Falcons, yep, two and four as a record. Um, I, I, and keep in mind, not you know, wins not a quarterback stat, yada yada. Three of those four losses, they scored seven or less points, right? They were And the team out.
1: went on when they replaced him yes. to go to the conference championship. That I was season. getting
0: to that for sure, right? <laughs> they replaced him with Ryan Tannehill midway through the year. Was the only thing that changed essentially the same supporting cast, same receivers. Taylor Lewan,
1: Taylor Lewan was suspended or something like that.
0: Yeah, Taylor Lawan but. Luan was playing those week five and six games that were objectively awful, right? I think Buffalo
1: and Denver, the two yes. worst games of Mariota's career.
0: Yes, and Denver, I mean, you still remember Mike Vrabel mouthing what the F is he doing after he threw the interception against Denver that essentially ended his Titans career. And funny enough, I still remember it well, it was like the first aggressive throw he made all year long. I was thrilled that he tried that ball and it ends up getting him benched and replaced. But it was a deep ball to Tajay Sharp. I still
1: remember 20, 30, 40, 30, 40 I remember yards thinking, downfield. like, if you're going to turn it over, at least attack downfield.
0: <laughs> and turnovers weren't an issue for them in a strange way, right? They yeah. just couldn't move the ball, right, through the air.
1: So That awful no, Jacksonville game where he took, like, eight sacks or something that year.
0: Yes, and the Buffalo game, they missed, like, five or six field goals. Like, that was a ter- terrible game. But I remember – we remember thinking – remember, that was our only impression of Arthur Smith. I right. recall thinking – This offensive coordinator was in way over his head. This was an awful hire. Um, The Titans might have a chance at landing Joe Burrow. Maybe they (laughs) should have. But that's how bad we thought they were at that point in time. And we hated Arthur Smith, right? The Tannehill comes in, clearly showcases that this was not an Arthur Smith problem. It was a Marcus Mariota problem. Yet Arthur Smith goes and unites, reunites with Mariota. It's a bit surprising to me. It really is. But what options did they have?
1: It tells me, honestly, I mean, I think that Arthur Smith views Mariota as a great veteran presence. He's obviously, like, you've seen some of the tweets that have come out since Mariota announced the the contract. He knows the offense. He will be a great bridge for the next Atlanta starter, which is not going to be Marcus Mariota long-term. Spoiler alert. I hate to shatter anyone's dreams who still loves Marcus, but... That's that, frankly, that's going to be the case. It's not a contract for a long-term starter. It doesn't even have incentives that take you to, to starter money. This is a bridge contract. He's a bridge quarterback. He's going to help whoever the next person is in Atlanta. And some of the tweets that came out right after he was signed, Derek Carr says one of the best guys I've ever played with hashtag Kariota, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> was and great. AJ Brown tweets best leader I've ever been around. <laughs> <laughs> which I mean, sent titan's twitter into an uproar any thoughts yeah, on Garcy this
0: co-tweeted it by the way i <laughs> said what does that say about ryan Tannehill?" everyone's yeah, gonna well, run with it unfortunately
1: but... obviously aj has since deleted the tweet just like he deletes all of his tweets but <laughs> what do you think titan's twitter like the reaction here was this a shot at Tannehill? obviously i don't not. even want
0: to get into that no it wasn't i think aj brown obviously really likes marcus Mariota as a person as a quarterback didn't he cry he did cry after, the Bronc- after
1: the broncos game he was he yeah, felt the like room. he
0: didn't do enough personally look he obviously likes the guy a lot i'm not going to get into that nonsense about what he tweeted it's he likes marcus Mariota a lot doesn't say anything about ryan Tannehill. Though i'll close with this i'm really happy for marcus Mariota that he's probably going to get another chance to be a starting quarterback and i'll follow it closely i'm excited to see how it works out for him I mean, I'm, rooting for him, just like I was already rooting for Arthur Smith. I really like Arthur Smith. With that said, I almost feel bad for him that it didn't end up happening in a better situation because that offensive line, that running game, that wide receiver room, I think there's a good chance that the Atlanta Falcons are the worst team in football in 2022. And that's not just because of Mariota, but man, this I mean, look, but hey, Arthur Smith at the same time, he knows how to get a lot out of you know, his situation, like Atlanta was a worse football team last year than their record reflected.
1: Right. He, like they won seven games,
0: I think, or something like that. Like he props them up. They were,
1: they didn't win less than six. They did win seven games. I thought they won seven.
0: Like you gave me a look, no one can see this, but you gave me a look on camera. Like they won seven games. They won seven (laughs) games. Arthur Smith props them up a year ago. Maybe he'll do it again. But as of now, it's a really bad situation
1: couple of storylines to follow, three storylines to follow out of this. Number one, Marcus Mariota has led a team to the number one overall pick before. The 2015 Titans went two and 14, or three and 13, and got the number one overall pick. Number two, Marcus Mariota's best year, 2016, what were his weapons like? Complete garbage, but an all-star tight end in Delaney Walker. Who are the receivers in Atlanta? Complete garbage, but an all-star tight end in Kyle Kyle Pitts. Pitts.
0: Yeah, Kyle Pitts and no one else.
1: (laughs) Maybe Arthur Smith was like, "Hey, I was around Mariota in 2016 when he had trash wide receivers and a great and, tight end.
0: He can and, do and it. He'll t- <laughs> and he'll take advantage of the play action passing game, and he'll hit Kyle Pitts up the seam a lot, probably. And Mariota will,
1: will, and Mariota will take off and run on some design QB yes. keepers up until his body falls apart. And the and third they'll, story, they'll
0: design a lot of stuff for Cordarrelle Patterson again, right? Yeah." Like, They'll put him in the backfield with Mariota. They'll probably run some RPO. They'll run the screen game. They'll get the ball in Patterson's hands. Quick hitters. Easy, fail-proof throws for Mariota to make. But that receiver room, my God.
1: Third storyline, Jameis Winston returns to New Orleans. Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston, the number one (laughs) and number two picks in 2015 draft, will play each other twice a year, assuming health. So that's that'll fun. be fun to watch
0: and they can't escape one another right If you look like in a sense right <laughs>
1: the career's but their tight. first
0: pro games were against each other everyone will, will remember if you're a Titan yeah. fan. so uh i hope it works out for marcus i'm cheering him on i i really am um and i'm not one of those titans fans that thinks they should have never moved on from him that's idiotic but i can still root for the guy while I realize he was holding the franchise back right i think that's fair um i hope it works out for him i'm glad he gets to start again at the same time, I hope they're ready to, to somehow make some investments in the offensive line because he's going to, he could get killed back there. And the receiver room right now has who? O- all Zacchaeus, Chad Hansen, Frank Darby. Hell, they should probably re sign Tajay Sharp. Shouldn't they at least give him a familiar weapon, right? Like the situation is so dire. You might as well bring Tajay Sharp back at this
1: point. Right. Exactly. Maybe they will. Who knows? The, the Falcons have some moves to make. Um, all right. Anything else you want to talk about? Titan's free agency period. Looking ahead as we are getting ready to sign off here on Monday evening.
0: I think that does it. This episode has been longer than an hour, per my account. Yeah. I think we've covered everything extremely in-depthly. We're probably going to start getting to the draft soon, right by the time our next episode will be, about four weeks out. So we'll see how that works. Yeah, um, I'm excited.
1: I'm excited too. We're really gonna dive into the draft now that we've we're wrapping up the free agent stuff. We covered a little bit on this episode of some thoughts about where positionally the Titans might go. I think we'll start to focus on specific players and fits next week. But until then, you guys know where to find us. Justin's on Twitter at JustinM underscore NFL. Lots of writings for Broadwaysportsmedia.com and the Draft Network. You can see his uh, his articles there where he mentions the Titans as a possible fit for Cole Beasley. Or should we say cold disease?ly
0: <laughs> I did mention that uh, I wrote that article before the Robert Woods trade, so I don't. I mean, they, they still need a slot receiver, so it's still within the realm of possibility. But um, I now, at this point, I'd be surprised.
1: And um, I tweeted earlier today that I would read some responses to a tweet about uh, Matt Ryan being traded to the Colts. And I didn't really get to that. And if you sent us a reply, we appreciate it. But uh, I didn't get to it today and we're out of time. So we'll do that another time. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We'll be back next week to cover more of this crap. Until then, you guys stay safe out there and tighten up.